Live from the Toad Hop Network Studios. In Hollywood, this, this is the ToadHopNetwork.com. It is strongly addictive. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. This is Vox Populi. Vox Populi. The voice of the occasionally interested people. A political talk show for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda. Understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host, Sean Astin. Good morning. Oh, wait, no. Hey, everybody. It's Sean Astin coming to you live from the Toad Hop Network studio. I was going to say studios, but there's only one. Wow, we've already got our first caller. I'm going to jump on. The food topic today, the topic today is food. Wide-ranging conversation. You've got some interesting people to talk to. Here we are, caller number one. Hello, hello. This is Sean. Who's this? You're on the air. Hi, Sean. My name's Kevin. Uh, I, I just wanted to call. I know I know this is uh, bringing up something that happened uh, uh, last week, but uh, did you know that the police actually do not have a uh, responsibility to protect you? It has been uh, pr- uh, settled by the Supreme Court. Really? And uh, yes. So on, the, uh, on the side of the squad cars in my city, Los Angeles, it says to protect and serve. I wonder if they know they got that on there. Well, I, I don't know about that, but I do know that the Supreme Court was actually sued because a man was injured or killed, and the police did not protect him. And the court ruled, uh, I believe it was Warren versus District of Columbia, and uh, the case held that police do not have a duty to protect or duty to provide public police services to individuals, even if a dispatcher promises help is on the way. They don't have a du- they don't have a duty. Do you think that was the? Uh, I mean, I haven't obviously looked at the uh, the decision, and I don't know anything about that particular Supreme Court case. But I wonder. My the first thought I have is like, I wonder if the word duty is was what was used, or obligation, or you know, liability. To I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting thing. You know, I always wonder when uh, that there's that. Uh, it's either urban myth or reality. I don't really know. But when you uh, someone breaks into your house and gets hurt and sues you for something that, for getting hurt inside your house, um, it sounds like one of those one of those kind of deals. Well, I appreciate you uh, you bringing it to say the name of the case again. Uh, I believe it was Warren versus District of Columbia, nineteen eighty one. Warren, that's not the uh, Heller case. The Heller case is the uh, early eighties no. case that uh, talks about that talks about. Uh, uh, the right to have a, a firearm. All right. Well, anyway, the, the reason I brought it up was a lot of people say, well, you, you know, you shouldn't have a weapon to defend yourself. You should rely on the police. But the police actually do not have a responsibility to protect you. So, I mean, they may, they may get fired for it, but there is no legal remedy you have. So what is the function of a police department? Uh, well, I, I believed I always believed it was to protect the people. But according to the Supreme Court, they have said that, uh, that they they do not have a responsibility to protect you. Well, early on in the show, uh, I used to talk... It says on... I'm I'm reading about the article now. It says that believing the police might be in the house, uh, they called down alerting the guy that broke into their house uh, to their presence. At knife point, uh, the two people forced all three women to accompany them, and for the next 14 hours, the captive women were raped, robbed, beaten, and forced to commit sexual acts upon one another. 
and made to submit to the sexual demands of the two guys that broke in. And uh, I guess they sued the police department because the dispatcher said the police were on the way, and then they never showed up. Huh. Well, wow. That's awful, uh, first of all. I mean, one of the things that I talked about early in this, uh, this show, when I started the show, was um, liability. The word liability and the concept behind liability. And it actually... Um, it impedes. I have always been of the thought that if you break or force your way into someone's house, that that you, you know, you have uh, given up any uh, right to your life or health. You know, the people that you're victimizing have a right to their life or health as well. Yeah, to defend themselves in their own home. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's right. But there's there have. Uh, I been... mean, not necessarily even in your own home. If if, if you're going to victimize somebody, you have given up your rights. Well, listen, there's case law, you know, for forever that deals with all different, you know, situations that have happened, anomalies and I and mean, do you, do you believe that a, a career criminal that is that is violating you or you know, possibly murdering you or murdering your family has more rights than you do? You know, at what point do your rights become less important than the criminals? Well, I think my I think once a person comes onto my property, I have a right to defend myself. So I'm not. Right, but I, what if I, you're not on your property? What if you're walking down the street minding your own business? Um, well, I think, I think I I, I listen, mean, I, I mean, have if an they pull a gun right or a knife and they drag you into an alleyway and and you listen, know, you, I think every, anybody you, has what, a right to you, defend. What do you do? Everybody has a right to defend themselves. The the annoying kind of double jeopardy of the situation is not only have you been assaulted and and either successfully or unsuccessfully defended yourself but now you exist in a in a society in a civil society where there may be disagreement about what happened and then it has to be adjudic adjudicated so but from a from a, a you know premise of natural law if anybody tries to hurt me or my family i'm i'm going to do everything in my power to stop them including using whatever force i have at my disposal i mean uh, there's there's no i have no I have no qualms with that, but what you're talking about is a uh, is a very specific, uh, you know, uh, Supreme Court decision, and I you know, and I don't I don't know it. The idea that basically in general, cops do not have a responsibility to or a duty to protect and defend the the members of the community well, they serve in. That's I not exactly what I meant. I meant a, a legal duty. They they can't you can't sue them or the city for not uh, protecting you. That is, that's what the court case was about. So it I sounds guess. like it has to do with a failure to show up in time. It sounds well, like it wasn't has... in time. They didn't even investigate. They showed up, but then they just left. Well, all right. So, well, I appreciate, uh, listen, I appreciate you bringing it. Uh, uh, and, obviously, you're making and, a, a pro-gun a pro point, which is that... And, and I had a question for you. I, I wanted to know your feelings about uh, the the 10 round magazines and uh, I wanted to know knowing that police often have to shoot somebody 15 or 20 or 30 times to stop them uh, why would it be okay for a police a policeman which is a civilian to have a a large capacity or standard I don't like large capacity I like standard capacity magazines where uh, civilians shouldn't be able to. I wanted to know your thoughts on that. So when you when you say it's a civilian, you mean they're not a member of the military? Correct. 
All right, but they they are a sworn peace officer with extra training and licensing to carry and but, use. Well, the funny uh, thing about that is, did you know that policemen are often worse shots than civilians are? <laughs> it's uh, true. It's true. You can look that up yourself. Uh, they are, are. They usually have to qualify with thirty rounds once a year, or maybe every six months. I ha I know a lot of people uh, who are who spend a lot more time uh, on on a range firing than them. Now, not all police officers, of course, but a lot of police officers. Listen. I mean, look at just what happened in New York, what, six months ago, where the guy had the, I can't remember if it was an eye for a gun, and nine people were shot, and they were all shot by the police officers, and they were just bystanders. Uh, New York. There was a, there New was York, a, there yes. Was an I can't remember exactly what the deal was, but there was a guy that had either a knife or a gun, and he was trying to commit suicide by cop. And there were nine people shot, and they were all shot by the police. Not one person was shot by the guy that, that they were there to apprehend. Uh, he didn't even, I, I believe he didn't even fire a shot. I remember seeing the uh, the YouTube footage of that of that incident and uh, and thinking you know of the old style Mexican standoffs where people are in a circle and they're shooting and they're hitting the people on the other side who are part of their own team and but uh, but uh, you know I don't I don't know the yeah, it wasn't it wasn't police officers that were shot it was civilians. Well, you, bystanders on the street. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. I understand. I, yeah. Sort of maybe a loose, I mean, that, that loose should metaphor. tell you a lot of what you need to know right there. Well, there, listen, there, I think you make certain uh, observations that uh, that are, you know, instructive. You know, things that, things to understand um, about. Listen, I, I'm willing to cast my lot with. Uh, with the pol the police department on the street as as my primary, oh. you know. Uh, oh, I, I love cops. I, I I truly believe that we should have uh, more police officers. But what I'm saying is, the whole point I'm trying to make is, you're responsible for your own safety. You can't depend on anyone else. Well, okay. So I think I would disagree a little bit. I I, I would say that we're all responsible for our own safety. And that includes, you know, as a good citizen, being able to take advantage of the support of the police department. Now, if there's a gap there between, you know, when you're assaulted and when the police get there, then, you know, I think that people, you know, have a have a right uh, to protect themselves and a duty to protect their family and, and like that. The problem is that sometimes, particularly in, uh, in, in a kind of gun-dominated you know, conversation or, or or mentality that I certainly have, as well as a lot of the folks I know. There, the um, there's overreach. You know that that right, what somebody believes is their right, extends, uh, you know, further than others might agree, and so it's left to the community of people. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't believe there should be like vigilantes or anything like that. I, I truly believe you should try to get the police to protect you, but there comes a time when. You know, I don't even know what the average response time is in your area, but I know here it's it, it's up to 15 to 30 minutes, and I have seen sometimes it's hours if you're not in a in a uh, urban area. Mm. Yeah, that, I mean that is uh, well, even in urban areas, and, and really in, in the the poorest communities, people would argue that uh, they have a hard time getting a response uh, at all. But you know, the the it sounds to me, I mean, before I answer the clip. Ten, you know, round clip 
question, it, it seems to me like you and I might be able to agree on the fact that people should have training to, so that they don't, you know, so that they understand that there are certain Oh, yes, definitely everyone should have training. I'm from Texas, and, and to get a concealed permit in Texas, you need, uh, I believe it's eight hours of uh, training here. To get, a concealed, to get a concealed weapons license. What about to just purchase uh, one of the firearms that's in question in these last few mass shootings? Well, <clears throat> I, I have a hard time with that because I have seen also where if, it's, if you have to have a license, license can be turned down for any reason. Uh, for in your home, I don't think you should have to have a license. To carry on the street, I, I can see that. I, I, I can see both sides of that. What about, I, on, what about on attending a class? I believe that, that you know, anybody that's afraid for their life should have the ability to protect themselves. But on the other side, you get things like the newspaper in New York that just did a Freedom of Information Act and got everybody's addresses and purchased and uh, published them up online with a handy searchable map and we're seeing now there was uh, something just uh, yesterday or the day before i believe where it looks like a home was targeted because it was on the list and the burglar went straight for their gun safe well you know that sounds like a criminal act uh well y yes that's true but if if the government hadn't had the information in the first place or uh, refused to give it to the newspaper, you know, these people wouldn't have known about it. So you, you said, did I hear you, you said purchase the information, right? Or they did a Freedom of Information Act. Freedom of Information Act acquisition. Well, and, I mean, you're outside, and, uh, of my, you're outside of my area of expertise. They published it was what I said, I, I think. Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, so, uh, you know, we're outside of my area of expertise. I, I just feel like, um, I mean, just to sort of put a button on our idea of license, I mean, what, what about a class? So somebody, if you're going to own a firearm, you don't necessarily have to pass a course, but you do have to sit your butt in a chair and, and listen for a certain number of hours about, you know, anecdotes and stories and guidelines and, you know, safety procedures. Yeah, maybe, I believe that's what they do for the concealed permits here, but maybe take a, a, a safety class. Yeah. You know, at, at least once. Uh, Help people I understand. Anybody where... that doesn't believe in gun safety, I think, should be a fool. Is a fool. The first thing you're taught is, you know, there's no such thing as an unloaded weapon, and you never point a weapon at somebody unless you're, you know, you, it's desperate enough that you're willing to shoot them. Uh, and, you know, all, all every uh, uh, self-shooting, accidental shooting that I've heard of has, has happened with a unloaded weapon. Well, all right. You've you've brought up some very interesting points. I, I you say you uh, you talked about your support for the police officers. I I support uh, both. Uh, you know, a well uh, uh, funded and a well trained, uh, well disciplined uh, police force. And and so I you know and I I agree that more more police is is uh, is generally better than than less police. Even though we have to find the balance with. You know, spending money on other things like education and and so forth. But, but basically, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I I don't think I'm as far as you are uh, along the the track of of thinking that because the cops are not capable. Of, I mean, I think the cops should have overmatch. 
I think the cops should have more lethality than a citizen. I remember watching in North Hollywood this uh, two guys who got these uh, yeah, I re I remember that. machine guns and they were shooting up at the helicopters. I actually saw the video of the movie about it. it yeah, well, that, the movie came out first. That was what's so weird about that. But then the uh, yeah. Heat, that was called Heat. It was a really, heat, yes. it was a great scene. And I actually saw the, the I think it was a made-for-TV movie, too, where the police were pinned down. They only had 9 millimeter handguns, and these guys were all wearing body armor and using machine guns. Yeah. So and, I'm all for... Uh, yeah, and machine they, guns and, Machine guns that were already against the law. And they, yeah. uh, and they had Criminal, to go... Criminals don't obey the law. That's why they're criminals. Out, uh, out here, the, the, the co that incident, the cops actually had to go to the sporting goods store to get uh, guns yep. to match I, the... Uh, but anyway, so I, I'm all for uh, up-armoring the police. And, um, and uh, you know, the, the, the magazine, the number of magazine thing, you know, I, I've listened very closely to the conversation about what constitutes semi-automatic and the minor distinctions that are made and, and so on and so forth. And uh, I'm... You know, I, I haven't seen all the specific recommendations that Biden has made, and I'm not sure exactly what Congress is considering at the moment. But the uh, the multi the, the the extended clips and that kind of stuff, uh, finding some way to make it harder for that to get into people's hands, I, I uh, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, what, what do you think of the uh, What do you think of the the politicians that are that were giving the NRA a hard time about talking about how uh, concealed Teachers and and administrators and janitors that want to concealed carry in school. I think and the, they, I all, think send, that, they all send their kids to to schools that have armed guards. What do you? How do you feel about that? Uh, I think that the conversation about whether to have trained armed personnel, you know, a guard or you know, uh, I had a guard at the school that I went to, is uh, is a subject worth serious investigation. So that's what I think there. Beyond that, there's I, at least one district here in Texas and several in Arizona that have that, and and uh, they haven't had an accidental shooting or anything either. So yeah, there's lots of them. But but yeah. but, uh, but I'll tell you what. I think the NRA has is the uh, is the spear of the tip of the spear of a problem that Republicans have, my friends, uh, and that is that while discussing issues that uh, are completely inbounds and legitimate, there is an overriding sense of um, uh, insensitivity towards people. And you can totally you know, disagree with someone and think that you have the right to hold something, but if, you just, if, the, if the way you come across in an average conversation is, is, is sort of insensitive, I think it complicates things. And, and I think the NRI is, is sort of in, like really culpable for their their lack of sensitivity. All right, listen, we, I'm going to jump on to another uh, another topic, but I appreciate your call and I uh, and I look forward Thank to you. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. I'm, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. Thanks, man. All right, we're going to go to a caller here. Hello, caller. Are you there? Hey, it's Brett. Brett. Uh, oh, Cecil man. B. Cecil. I'm sick to death of talking guns. I real not. I know. About I know. Let's I talk promise. food. I, go ahead. What do you want to talk about? I, if, let, I, I want to talk about I, food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the call that I just missed is a restaurateur who, if I, if he calls back in a second here, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna pick it up and and uh, I'm gonna jump with him. So don't be uh, offended if I jump no, off. No, I won't be offended at all. all right, uh, just so you know, I'm, I'm a computer now to build computers for fun and for people. I'm allowed to walk into CompUSA unescorted. I can walk into a gun shop unescorted. I'm not allowed anywhere near Williams Sonoma without a show. 
chaperone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you gonna go? You gonna go juicer crazy, or are you gonna go? Uh... No, uh, I'm likely to pick up a three hundred dollar chef knife or uh, something else. That's um, really funny. I, I, I literally have to be restrained in that place. Um, I love to cook. Um, my wife is friends with most of the chefs in town. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, a restaurant is having her first art opening, <laughs> along with two other artists in their restaurant in a couple of weeks. Who's catering that one? All right, hold on. Wait, uh, here's my guy again. Brett, call in a little bit. Sure. Will. I want to hear more about your cooking. Okay. Hello, hello. Hi, Sean. Yo, Kevin Barry. How are you, my friend? Oh, no way. Yeah. Mac, Mac is co-hosting. Say hi to Mac. Mac, Mac, Mac Renzi? Yeah, Mac Renzi. Mac hello, Ren hello, Kevin. Welcome to the internet, the podcast, the airwaves. <laughs> I got two price, two assets for the price of one. Yeah, the good one and me. So, uh, okay, let me, uh, I, I, I got a caller who called in about uh, gun, gun related issues, and, uh, and I, you know, I always honor what the callers want to talk about. So give me one second just to set up this next conversation, uh, our conversation, Kevin. All right. Take your time. The, the conversation that I've been wanting to have for two weeks centers around food all about food food is just absolutely uh, affects our lives every single day and some of us approach food uh, in a way that's you know healthy other of us are completely reckless with our with our health when it comes to food but I want to uh, I want to talk about you know everything from recipes to you know government laws, the farm bill, any anything in between. I, I, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna hear later from. Uh, I'm not sure if we're gonna have our organic farmer call in or not at this point. And I just lost my uh, my food and drug administration. She, she still may call in, so my fingers are crossed that that'll that that'll happen. But um, but we will also. I'm gonna talk to a butcher later. Um, a guy called and he's uh, he was willing to talk to me, which is great. And then now we have on the phone a great person to help us launch this conversation is a, uh, a member of our family, or certainly close, uh, close enough uh, to be family, uh, named Kevin Berry. Kevin uh, helped uh, raise Mac and me when we were growing up, and that's R-A-I-S-E, not R-A-Z-E. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Kevin uh, decided at a certain point to go into, um, well, it was really, you started, with, uh, you started with clubs, right? Wasn't that where you started out? Yeah, yeah, um, kind of promoting um, clubs on the west side, um, Santa Monica and Venice, and kind of um, worked my way up to uh, where I've been living for about 25 years, the South Bay, which to a lot of people in L.A., they have no idea what that is. That would be Hermosa Beach, Manhattan Beach, Redondo Beach, and kind of the, um, the end of the Santa Monica Bay, the south end of the Santa Monica Bay. And you uh, and and when you're doing the promoting of things, I, I suppose you, you would have to worry about uh, liquor license and stuff, but not necessarily. You weren't into the food, the food sort of thing just yet, or or were you? Um, well, it was mostly. I mean, at that point, it was that was the '80s, I guess. Um, dating myself, uh, that was more like promoting other restaurants and uh, nightclubs, and not actually um, involved in the ownership of them, but just promoting places that I worked at. Um, All right, so fast some forward. Really cool, iconic places like the West Beach Cafe and Rebecca's Restaurant, which is no longer there. Um, and um, just kind of, um, you know, into that, like I said, the West Side. So fast forward to now, what, what, is your, uh, what are your current holdings in the restaurant universe? 
Right now, um, I am uh, primarily an investor and a partner in a lot of restaurants. Um, uh, there's a great restaurant in Manhattan Beach called MB Post that I'm part of. Um, that got a um, James Beard nomination for the best restaurant on the West Coast. What Congratulations. Of, what kind of stuff do they, uh, they serve there, Kev? Um, it's really an eclectic menu. Um, it's an incredible chef, um, David Lafrave, that is um, got nominated also for the um, the James Beard Award. And um, I also have a place that I'm part of, um, just you know, as a basically a silent investor. It's called the Pearl Dragon Asian Kitchen, and that's in Pacific Palisades. And then we have a place called the Falcon Restaurant in Hollywood. Um, we have uh, the rebranding of Sangria Restaurant. It's now called American Junkie. That's in Hermosa Beach. Hmm. And then um, excited to big report one, right? that I have a new um, investment in, the, in an iconic place that has been there for almost 40 years called Captain Kids Fish Market and Restaurant, and that is in Redondo Beach at the marina. Um, that's really exciting. And then I have a small, tiny cafe that's at South Bay BMW. It's inside of the, the largest um, BMW dealership on the West Coast, and we serve breakfast and lunch there. That's in Torrance. The ultimate breakfast machine. <laughs> yes. Uh, breakfast burritos. Um, and then um, I have a um, part of a place in, um, in Honolulu um, on the uh, Hickam um, Air Force Navy base called Sam Choi Seafood Grill. And then, um, lastly but not leastly, I'm I'm involved with a group that um, manages um, a farmers market in Manhattan Beach, wow. and that would be the Manhattan Beach Farmers Market, um, and that's really exciting. We have lots of um, organic um, fare there, and it's on Tuesdays. It's every Tuesday in downtown Manhattan Beach. That'd be a lot of fun for people to come check out. Uh, yeah, and, I went down there. It's pretty um, you know, it's For great. people that don't know, Manhattan Beach is actually just on the other side of LAX. So um, if you just keep on driving south past Marina del Rey, you'll you'll hit us. Kev, um, Kev, tell me, is it was it uh, Sangria where you really kind of made your bones as a restaurateur, where you really started to understand what it was to ma manage uh, the kitchen and and uh, all all the things that and was was it. I want to know where it was that you first became, you know, because you couldn't own a piece or invest in, in all these different places if you couldn't evaluate uh, them, you know, with a, with a really sophisticated eye. So, 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 how did you develop that? How did where did you get that knowledge? The first place that I became involved in, which was a place where you guys um, came to when you were in your younger years, um, and Paul, your cousin Paul used to play some jazz there. It was called 12th Street Grill, sure. and that was in downtown Manhattan Beach as well, and I had that for about 10 years, and that was a, my first kind of ownership in the, um, in the, in a restaurant. So, um, that was, um, really where I kind of learned most of my Talk about talk about the chefs. I mean, obviously, the uh, the 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 life or death of a, a place like that is how good the food is, and and how uh, and tell me about how, how do you find them and how what are they, 
What do they look for? What do you? What can you reassure them of? I mean, when they want certain ingredients and everything, do you, do you have to say no to certain things, or do you? Uh, if they have certain qual, who puts in the quality check for for the the kinds of produce you get, or or the the kinds of meat that you you have? You know, who? How does that? How does the food itself work? Well, I mean, I was lucky to have a a, a chef that had been with that that was with me for almost twenty years, and it's somebody that you guys knew. Um, Oscar Rosales, mm-hmm. and um, he was kind of my right-hand man and started Sangria with me and um, a couple other places. But um, fortunately, he died a couple years ago and just um, just a, a, a out-of-the-blue heart attack. And Oscar was really great with working with vendors. I mean, it really just depends on your price point for a restaurant. MB Post is a super, super... Um, gourmet high-end place and they kind of um only get the best and there's just kind of you just kind of work your way down from there um fast food is is obviously a lot of frozen stuff so um there's just different levels of where you want to be and where you kind of set yourself up as a as a restaurant or a cafe and um you know obviously vendors are it's just like buying a car. You you can go super low or super high end, and it's just who it's and who you and want. it has to do with the. You basically say to the chef, you know, we want an entree to to be twenty bucks or thirty bucks or fifteen bucks, whatever it is. I mean, and they and then they have to go out and get the ingredients that they can. It's on the chef to do the to to do the actual purchasing and and so forth. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I mean, there's lots of owners of restaurants that are really involved in everything. There's a lot of um, owners now of restaurants that are um, that are chefs themselves who are take a um, particular interest in in buying all the food stock, and um, that's probably your best bet because they're going to be the most careful and the most um, conscientious about how they buy and what they buy. Are they? But um, you know, a lot of restaurants just you know they trust their chef and they they um, you know you kind of set the menu and the price point and then you try to figure out what your food cost is um, for each item, um, putting all the ingredients together, and then you try to come up with a, um, the the price that is going to be um, acceptable to the customer and um, you know enough that it's going to hopefully um, pay your bills and and you know pay the payroll and make you a little bit of money. So if the if the chef is trying to uh really kind of get in the good graces of the owner, they might they might cut a few corners to keep the price low and and not have uh and, and you know and, and kind of you know try and keep the uh the taste where it's supposed to be. Is this a fair is this a fair thing that I'm characterizing here? Um yeah, it just really depends on on the situation. It's all it's all very particular to to um, the individual place. It's hard to say. I mean, um, you know, it's also how busy you are because it's all it's kind of just a science where you you don't want to buy too much, you don't want to always run out of things. But also sometimes I think running out of things is a good. It's a good thing because you're rotating your stock a lot. I mean, there, there's just that, like I said, a fine line when you first open up between, you know, when you've been in business for a couple of years where you are um, you're trying to um, not throw anything away and not have any waste. 
and serve things that are as fresh as possible. So, you know, a lot of people get, um, get things delivered every day. There's also this huge um, a warehouse now that's called um, Restaurant Depot. There's basically a, a home depot for restaurants. And um, uh, hold on one second. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting, isn't it, to talk about uh, to talk about food from the uh, from the the business the private industry perspective. Absolutely, you know I, I think I think uh, Kevin's experience is, is in an area that uh, you know that uh, sort of helps foster um, a, a decent diet, uh, you know, a relatively healthy diet. I think I think the kind of uh, folks that Kevin's uh, expecting to have come because it's the South Bay. It's people who are in an area that's known for that right. kind of and, thing. And it's and it's people who can afford to put in their systems the kind of stuff that is going to be good for their systems. You follow? I got, I'm going to put you on hold for one minute, you guys. I'm sorry. That's okay, keep Kevin. On, keep on talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you you call your parents and they're trying to figure out the the answer machine. I don't know how this works, Marge. <laughs> Beep. Um, anyhow, my, my I don't know that what you said is that I agree with what you just said. I think it's certainly possible if somebody uh, wants to um, has a lot of resources and they want to throw it at the food and the, and what they want is you know. I don't know. I mean, you just said a healthy diet. I mean, there's a that's such a huge. Uh, it's a there's a, a spectrum. There's a continuum of what constitutes healthy food. You mm. know, and there's a lot of disinformation about what food is. Mm. Uh, that that. Um, uh, but this idea that from the it sounded to me like what Kevin. He, he, you know, I'm sure if I ask him, and I'll ask him when he comes back. You know, how what kind of quality controls are there? Or do you have do you have uh, I mean, because you, it, what he was just saying was you, you rely on the chefs. Yes. So, so is it that? So it's the chef's responsibility. But if you, you go somewhere and you get, you know, a, you know, produce that's not great in your food, or you know, something happens, you go to the. It's the owner of the restaurant who's ultimately responsible for, you know, providing a good product to the 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 welfare. The, right. And I suppose. I don't know. I'm just wondering, like the the chef thing. It it almost seems like. Um, I mean, I just guess that's, I don't know, I don't know. It, it, chefs are, um, come in all shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. And the high-end, you know, five-star uh, gourmet chefs, I mean, their, their training, uh, you know, I, I wonder if it's, you know, Cordon Bleu or, or Johnson & Wales or one of these great culinary academies, you know, how much they emphasize uh, you know, basic nutrition in in food, and how, I mean, I, do you ever watch those shows? The uh, the shows with the uh, top chef and everything else. Sure. Do they do they, do they emphasize the importance of uh, nutrition? Absolutely. And it has certainly become more popular in the last couple of years as people have been exposed to the idea that what they've been putting in their systems primarily may not be the best thing for them, uh, and uh, you know, <clears throat> there's no doubt that. Uh, the idea of organic food is is certainly a popular concept uh, and a marketable concept at this uh, stage of the game. Do you think it? Do you think it is what it purports to be? I think a lot of times it may not be all that it purports to be. I think a lot of the regulations on food labeling right now are a little bit wonky uh, in terms of what is actually considered, uh, you know, what can be labeled as organic and 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 you know what actually is organic. Um, you know, there's. 
There's a system in play in this country, I feel, uh, whereby the bottom line is the bottom line. And it's not necessarily about, uh, about supporting the health of the nation uh, as much as it is supporting well, the health of the I have Kevin Cullen back here. Hold on. Sorry, Mac, to interrupt you. Thing that I was saying. <laughs> Kev. Sorry, guys. That's all right. Hang on. Mac was finishing a point. Oh, it's okay. I'm it's gone. Back. It's gone. It's it, gone. It's a great point. Uh, we're just, I, I guess what we're talking, uh, uh, nutrition and ethics are what I'm wondering about when it comes to uh, providing a product for people that, you know, who may or may not be interested in it. Some people are much more interested in the, the experience, the taste, you know, the pleasure that's derived, the, the, the immediate uh, pleasure that's derived from it versus, you know, uh, and, and, uh, and is that, you know, is that inconsistent from, you know, high quality nutrition? Is it, is it inconsistent from kind of ethics and how stuff is presented? Have, uh, well, do... I think that the ethics is a good, is a really interesting word because I know recently there's been a couple things. Um, one has been the, um, the engineered, the genetically engineered foods Modified. and the, and the fact that people wanted them, and I think it was on the ballot last year that they wanted everything labeled, and there was a huge fight um, against lobbyists of some major food corporations against that. Because they didn't want the labeling. They didn't really want people, and, and that's just, I think, kind of goes with what you're saying. It's like how um, contrary is that, that you don't want to let people know what you're, they're eating, the, the things that you made? And also, there's a there's another huge thing in the in the news lately where, and this was just on NPR, um, I think yesterday was where fish companies are mislabeling fish as other things to make it sound better. Um, and I find that fascinating. I know a lot of um, sushi places where we're getting busted selling things that were. Um, Sub, uh, that were not um, appropriate. They were, they were coloring things like like saying that tuna was was high grade tuna, and it was actually something else. And I and I had heard about that, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Who regulates that? Goes that? along with what you were talking about, like the ethics of of you know you're serving something um, to put into somebody's body, and then you're not being honest with them. Who, who regulates that? And do you have, uh, as a restaurateur, do you have direct dealings with them, or who, who where does that oversight uh, come in? Well, I think the FDA is is supposed to be um, supposed to be regulating that, but I think that a lot of it's just such a big thing. Um, there's an incredible um, documentary about um, sushi um, that I've got to pull up the name of it um that i watched recently on netflix and it's it's about this this guy who basically spent his whole life um perfecting his sushi um at this tiny little restaurant in japan in tokyo that's down by a subway and he's i think he got uh, five stars by michelin and it basically this place sits 10 people and um anyway um he goes to the fish market every morning and you know, physically picks out his fish, and I think that um, you're getting so far away from that, from the mass um, right. for preparation of food for the world that right, right. people don't. They're just taking um, the word of the person selling them the fish that of what it is. 
Yeah, and, and that they don't even they, they the guy serving the fish might not even know what it is. Right, that and that uh, that speaks to the point that I was making when you came back on the Sorry. line. The film is called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Yes. It's a fantastic, fantastic uh, oh, film. About, yes, uh, everybody uh, watched that that documentary. Yeah, it is Jiro Dreams of Sushi. It's it's uh, it's a it's, a, it's a, a terrific piece about somebody who really really cares about what goes into what he serves. But you you, yeah. you, you speak to a a, a, a valid uh, point there, Kev, about how. Um, it's, it seems as though, um, it seems as though we've gotten away from the idea of making sure that what we're doing is promoting health in those that we, we serve, uh, and, uh, and it's more focused on, uh, turnover and making sure that we move as much product as possible and getting the stuff that we're going to serve to people in at the cheapest amount, at the cheapest price and, and maybe not as much concern. You know, it, it's, it's capitalism. Un unfortunately, it's, it's, it's capitalism yeah. that, that has a, uh, a very detrimental effect, uh, you know, unless you work in the, in, in the health industry. Uh, and that's, that's where you can really fall down kind of a rabbit hole uh, because it seems as though, uh, you know, some people would, would argue that, uh, you know, in this, in this country there is a lot of money be, to be made in uh, getting people sick and taking care of them. Kev, I know you're going to a, a city hall meeting. Do, do you want to just mention for a moment what your current post is there? I've, I've got another. I've got another 15 minutes, but um, uh, my my current post where? Uh, you're going to city hall, right? Don't you represent? Oh, most. Um, I'm I'm on the board of um of the downtown Manhattan Beach Business and Professional Association. So we. We do a lot of stuff with all the events in downtown Manhattan Beach, but um, you know, what I was going to say also too is is um, there's also this very um, there's this incredible wave of people who who are completely dedicated to um, making sure that what they serve is the right thing. And although I haven't been there yet, and I'm I maybe I'm I'm overreaching to um, to promote somebody else's restaurant, but um, do you know of Dr. Wheel, Andrew Wheel? He's got that new restaurant in Santa Monica that's called True Food. True Food. True Food Kitchen. Um, and he's a really famous doctor that's on TV a lot, and he's incredibly, he's a genius. And he, um, he is a nutritional expert, and um, he's an MD. Um, he does a lot of um, uh, commentating uh, for different news stations, um, but uh, yeah, True Food. It's in the um, it's in the huge complex of Santa Monica Place, and it's the concept is um, locations feature dishes that are closely adhere to the principles of Dr. Wheel's anti-inflammatory diet. They are intended to be a new kind of restaurant, one in which delicious flavors, healthy. <laughs> nutrients, environmental awareness, and an inviting atmosphere come together to create an unforgettable dining experience. I'm just um, trying to picture, this broadcast goes all over the world, and I'm just trying to picture there's a lot of folks who uh, who uh, communicate with me via Twitter from England, and I'm just trying to picture like how that how that little paragraph goes down in uh in Great Britain, I tell you no, they're I think they're ahead of the game in a lot of respects. Is it's it's you know you can you can get a you can get a veggie burger in uh, just about any fast food joint in that uh, in that country. I was I was thrilled. I was there last year and was thrilled to find you know that I could get a you know I can get a, a nice veggie patty at the. Are burger you vegetarian? King. No, no, not at all. But sometimes I don't want to eat the meat that comes from a fast food joint. You know what I mean? That's uh -huh. there's a lot. Of, there's well, a lot of all just bangers and mash. <laughs> there's a lot of. Well, I just I guess I just meant that you know I, I've. Um, 
that it sounded kind of new. I mean, Santa Monica is amazing in that you you know you drive around you know Montana and Wilshire and Santa Mo- and Ocean and and you see just all these like raw food places and yeah. vegan places and and it's there it's just a, a market that uh, that demands you know that's there. So they, you know if they if you build it, they will come. Those the, those people. You know the the I call them granola people. I, I want to be a granola person, but the uh, the granola people want granola food, and and so granola you know granola restaurants you know pop up. But um, you know we, the, you're serving a different clientele with a lot of the restaurants you were describing that you you invest in, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's for probably a little bit more mainstream that um, that um, than just you know the really kind of limited because a lot of times you you'll just to kind of uh, just to somebody that just wants to go out to dinner and have a nice steak or a nice chicken dinner, um, it's more straight ahead, just kind of a, a restaurant. Um, but you know, people are really getting um, specific and and um, experimental in what they want to try. So I think there's a lot more room for places that really um, stick to a concept and a food type, and I I think that's really cool. It's like an evolution of of, of restaurants. Kev, let me add in a caller. We've got some callers calling in here. Let me let me cool. see what 613 is. Uh, if you can't hear me, don't go anywhere. Okay? Because okay. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Our technology is kind of interesting over here. Okay. Hello, this is Sean. You're on the air. Hi, Sean. This is Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Actually, you know me from Twitter as Foxy Flip Flops. <laughs> Foxing flip flops. All right, so you sound like a granola person too. No, I'm kidding. Talk, are you? Uh, you've been listening to the food conversation. What have, what have you got to add? I haven't been listening, but I've been watching what you tweet. Um, so you told me that you would ask me some easy questions. Oh, that's right. Okay, sorry. All right. What uh, What did you eat today? What did I eat today? I had oatmeal for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, a Chobani yogurt. <laughs> A banana and a hot pocket ham and cheddar. <laughs> so uh, you didn't have like a you didn't have a Snickers bar or something. You didn't have some kind of. So you pretty. That sounds to me like somebody who's uh, actively considering what they put in their body and are are, uh, are looking at, uh, at kind of health as a as a as an active concept yes. in their day. Yeah. Yes, I'm pretty conscious about what I eat. Yes. All right, but what's your indulgence? Oh gosh. I love Milky Way Darks. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. God, they're good. Uh, what about what about like uh, what about uh, uh, like a rich dinner? Like what about a pot? What, what will you have? Will you have like a heavy pasta, or what? What will you go for 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 a good big dinner? Or I you, are, like I um, the comfort food that my family loves to eat is I make uh, homemade stroganoff. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> stroganoff. That it's sounds good. Got sour cream in it. Yeah, it's not good for you, but every <laughs> once in a while, it's okay. <laughs> and so, I guess that answers my question: Are you a vegetarian? Um, no. All right. So, do you do you think that you've got a pretty good working knowledge of uh, health and, and nutrition and and uh, uh, you know? Do, do you, is there? I don't know. Philosophy kind of sounds like you're overcooking it a little bit, but do you have a sense of Wellness, you know, sense yeah. of health. Yeah, I just try to be conscious of what I eat and what I put in my body and what I give my kids. My daughter has severe food allergies, so I'm constantly reading labels, mm-hmm. and um, she's the only one in our family. Do you trust my them? Do you trust the, my, do you trust those? Do you trust those labels? 
Um, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, to be honest. Um, I, if it's a product that I've used before and she does try things that have, you know, do say, you know, may, con- may contain nuts, may contain, contain tree nuts, then we're, you know, very, very cautious and usually do not try it. But she's getting older now and she knows the symptoms if something is to happen to her and we have her EpiPen on hand at all times. <laughs> mm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that she has that, but it sounds like you guys are uh, as, as smart as possible in terms of adjusting to it. But uh, do you do the shopping for the family? Yes, I do. And you, like once or twice a week? Once a week. And how much do you spend? Oh, about two fifty well, a week. Sounds about for for three for for three people or you say family kids? of four, two family. kids and myself and my husband. And you're cooking almost every night. Pretty much every night. Wow. Except tonight we're not cooking. Um, I have the night off. <laughs> you should get paid for that, don't you? Think you should get paid for that. <laughs> it's paid in love. She is paid in love. Um, yeah. And the health of her children and her family. So, all right. So, what if? Um, <clears throat> so, when it comes to when it comes to nutrition, mm-hmm. do you think do you think there are kind of things have come down to you? Like, let me. I'll, I'll say. I'll say a word, and you tell me what if if anything pops into your head. Okay. okay. Protein. Good. <laughs> protein good. good protein. Where where can you get protein from? Oh, from meats and nuts and beans. Vegetables. Vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. All right. Wait. Now, are you uh, do, do, are you going to be around a little bit here? I want to I want to finish yeah. my conversation with uh, with our our cousin type folk, the uh, the restaurateur. So don't go anywhere. I'm going to come back to you. Okay. Okay. Great. Uh, think think of what you have to teach the world about food from you from your your you know humble. You know, whatever. What would you What would you recommend to people? And what could you offer to people, both in terms of how to enjoy it and all, and how to take care of themselves? I just want to hear from your your lips to the audience ears. Okay, think about that for a minute. Okay. Thanks. All right. Let me go to I'm trying to get Kevin back here. Kev. No. Uh, hold on. Sorry, everybody. I'm going slow here. <laughs> I'm going slow. It's not um, call on hold. I don't know how to do it. Johnny, help me. I've got a restaurateur on the other. Technological this is, this is where he's Vox Populi right is brought to you by He's Nibisco. the three one what I'm trying Makers to get. fine crackers. Uh, <laughs> I'm usually pretty good at faking it, right? I'm, aren't I when it comes to this stuff? All right, let me, let me start by saying, explaining why I wanted to talk about food. Yeah. All right. I would say as a – I'm 41 years old. Yeah. Uh, wait, rename, add to con- – I presume there it is. Boom, up top. Sorry. Hey, Kev. Yo. All right, my friend. So we just had a, a, a gal on the phone who was a family of four, and she was just talking about how she shops and the kinds of food she's eat. she eats. Very, very conscientious in terms of nutrition, but then also, you know, will uh, we'll make a stroganoff for her, for her family. Um, right. Do you have any kind of – just in your own life, your personal life, your family, uh, kind of f- food habits or food philosophy or food, you know, kind of meltdowns. I mean, how would you – can you share something about your, your personal food uh, life? I mean, I, I, my, my parents and my brother are, are very extreme on the healthy side. So I've kind of grown up with um, – I actually 
it's funny. I used to go over to your cousin Paul's house and eat all their cookies and all their junk food because when I was a kid, because our house was devoid of anything, of any sugar or anything that I craved. So, um, you know, in the end, I've come up with kind of in the middle. You know, I I will have a a burger at In-N-Out, but that's just like maybe once a year. Um, I really like shopping at, um, at Trader Joe's. They have some really nice kind of um, middle-of-the-road options that um, that aren't as expensive as Whole Foods, although I really like to go to Whole Foods. Um, and I tried not to be obsessive with my eating habits as far as, like, organic, like all completely organic. But I do know that, um, you know, organic – um, dairy and meats um, are definitely really more helpful for for the kids. I've got two little kids, um, and so I try to heavily lean on on as healthy as we can be without being just like ridiculous. You go out to a restaurant who's doing, who's and just enjoy yourself. Who? I mean, that's kind of how I'm um, I'm at. And you know, like I said, we're. I'm newly um, part of a group that um, owns the Captain Kids um, Fish Market in Redondo Beach, so it's really nice to get some some fresh fish and grill it up and have some brown rice and um, you know that's a great healthy meal that tastes good and lime a little happy. lime in there or what? What's that? You can add a little lime to that or what? I like a little lemon. A little lemon, huh? Little lemon, little salt and pepper. <laughs> and how's your how's your overall health, KB? It's excellent. Yay! It's very excellent. I'm still um, I'm still an active um, member of the uh, Los Angeles County Fire Department um, Ocean Lifeguard Division. So I am um, coming up on my thirty third thirty third year working on the beach. So I um, I have to pass. Uh, a few tests every year to kind of um, forces me to get in shape um, and keep keep in shape. I, I still surf a lot, so um, so that's really um, surfing and getting in the ocean is is this kind of healing. Um, and as long as I'm talking about healing in the ocean, go. I'm going to plug this amazing foundation that I'm part of. Um, that I'm on the board of. Um, it's called the Jimmy Miller Memorial Foundation, and it is um, we use um, surfing and the ocean to heal um, people that are um, troubled kids. We do a lot of work with um, with the Wounded Warrior Battalion at Camp Pendleton, um, and um, I'm really proud of that group and um, sharing the um, the the healing powers of the ocean. Wow, man. Kevin, you're uh, you're such a I'm just listening to all these different things and I know you and I've seen all these little pieces of your life, but somehow like talking about it on the air like for the public, uh what an what an amazing life and what a what a what a cool you're a cool dude, man. I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. I remember I I, I think about 30 years ago I gave you uh one of my surfboards and um uh, I still haven't uh, used it yet, but I'll get around to it. <laughs> uh, what is that? I don't know what it is. That's funny. My I mom get, has I get it. You paddling out there. Oh, I love the ocean. I love it. Surfing's hard um, for those of us who haven't grown up with it like you have. But it's I I love it. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. I don't know why they call it surfing. They ought to call it paddling. 
<laughs> All right, Kevin, I'm going to sign off and go uh, talk about food with other people for a little while. Give our love to yeah. the ladies. Give our, give love, love you guys. Love to the girls, Kev. Good talking to you. Love around. Yeah, you too. Bye, Bye both soon. Bye, man. Aloha. Hello. Hey, Sean. It's Michelle. All right, Michelle. Let's hear it. Oh, you... I didn't want you to think that I hung up. No, no, it's okay. Zoom for Kevin, and you lost me, so I called back. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I'm glad you called back. So tell me, tell me what you think. Uh, what's what, what do you guys do? What is your family? How do you guys make a living? Uh, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and my husband is a salesman. He's a salesman. All right. Well, so in the world, in the world of a salesman. You know the the wife, the 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 home mom, the 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 predominant cooker, shopper, and cooker for the family. What what advice would you give to somebody else, a new a new mom, like the next salesman and his wife or husband that come along? What what guidance would you give them about food prep? The, about food prep? Not food prep, but like the, about about food, nutrition, the whole the whole thing, the the general their general relationship well, to eating. One of the things I want to say is. I think the most important thing that my family religiously does every day, pretty much seven days a week, we make sure that we eat dinner together as a family. So sometimes we're not eating till 7 o'clock at night when my husband gets home from work, but that's okay. The kids will have a snack after school, a healthy snack, and we always make it a priority to sit down and eat dinner together, no matter what the time is, who gets home, who has this, who has that, who's going here, who's going there. We always all have to be home and together for dinner. And I think it's important to have family dinners sit down if, if you can. Some families just can't. But I think for us, it's very important to sit down together at the table and eat dinner every night together. All right. Well, it probably has to do with uh, with lowering stress, you know, depending on how you are in your family dynamic. Uh, it, you know, the, something about uh, about that that nurturing feeling about of being being together probably probably helps with uh, stress reduction, which which is uh, interesting. And I wonder about I wonder what it does for the rest of your like metabolism. I'm sure it's it's much much better for you, you know, digestion wise. Yeah, all that stuff. Because you're also oh. supposed to take time in between your bites and you're supposed to relax and enjoy and and chew your food you're not supposed to just inhale it so michelle you did it you you didn't know what you were going to say and you ended up imparting great wisdom for people <laughs> bless you thank you so much for calling in you're welcome I'll thank see, you i'll see you on twitter okay hello it's sean are you there yes hi hi there who's this sarah Hi, Kara. Okay, we're going to go to commercial. If you're hanging out when uh, we get back, we'll talk, okay? Okay, okay. Everybody, we got some talking about food in there. We're going to talk some more after the break. We'll see you and hear you soon. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. The Soda Stream Soda Maker is fun as hell. The kids are going to love it. There's 50 different flavors, and it's healthy. There's no fructose, corn syrup, or aspartame. So pick one up at Bed Bath & Beyond, Target, Macy's, Kohl's, and Walmart. Or just go to Soda Stream. To leave your house to shop, to crawl through traffic to the mall, just to find the thing you wanted. Isn't even there at all. Amazon.com is the answer. Shop at home and style and ease. Find exactly what you want. Ordering your stuff's free. Books on tape. Games galore. Everything you're looking for. Kindle. Cameras. Electronics. Baby Einstein. Hooked on phonics. Blu-ray. Movies. And TV. Downloads. Music. MP3. Pixar. Disney. Microphones. Pet supplies and doggy bones. World of Warcraft. Nancy Drew. Sims. The Scruffs. Ishtim too. Click Amazon. You'll smile with glee. Sometimes shipping's even free. 
Hey, Toadop listeners, what's going on? This is Christian Harloff. And I am Mark Ellis from Schmoes No. We are the only video reviewers accredited on Rotten Tomatoes. Look and now, you. Christian, Look somehow we got our own podcast on the Toad Hop Network. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We basically go back and forth. And we have a co-host, Katie Sackoff from Battlestar Galactica. We talk movies. It's just kind of back and forth, regular people talking movies. We start talking movies at tangents into a number of different things. Sometimes yep. we ask for it. Sometimes we don't. We take a lot of calls yep. from everybody in our uh, dutifully named city, Schmoville. Those are our fans. We have take a lot of tweets yep. so make sure you check out the schmoes no movies podcast every thursday night on the toad hop network from 8 to 10 p.m yes indeed and if you miss it go back watch it on the toadhopnetwork.com download it on the audio from itunes because look we see movies before a lot of people do but we can tell you about them <laughs> if you like them blah 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 you know that kind of stuff tune your own horror there with our oh, press screenings no, no, while you are at our site or you're on itunes yes. please leave a comment and rate the podcast make us number one because we need it we have self-esteem issues is that hunk of junk you call a car always breaking down and leaving you in the dust? Log on to Dyson-Motors.com and check out Dyson's full inventory online. With hundreds of quality cars in stock of all makes and models, you can find the next car of your dreams in minutes. And know you're getting super low pricing. Purchase a car today from Dyson Motors and receive a year of free oil changes. Bad credit? Worried about financing? Log on and get pre-approved in seconds. Go to Dyson-Motors.com and find your new car today. Does your car smell like... You need scent bomb. Does your house smell like... Get some scent bomb. Does the bathroom smell like... Get some scent bomb. Go to GetSomeScentBomb.com today for the best air freshener you've ever tried. We are so confident that you will love Scent Bomb that we're giving away a free bottle to the next 12 customers that type in the promo code RADIO at checkout. If you're tired of weak air fresheners, try Scent Bomb. Scent Bomb is a concentrated air freshener, so all you need is just a couple of sprays and the smell will last for days. That's right, you spray it today and you still smell it tomorrow. We guarantee that it's the best air freshener you've ever tried. So go to GetSomeScentBomb.com and enter the promo code RADIO at checkout to get your free bottle today. There's nearly 100 fragrances to choose from, so go to GetSomeScentBomb.com. That's GetSomeScentBomb.com. With Gamefly, choose from over 6,000 titles. Play as long as you want and send them back when you're done. $8.95 to start, no late fees. Gamefly.com. Games delivered. A great website if you are in the market for gift-giving, redenvelope.com. They have over 300 unique and inspired new products along with their classic favorites that are going to make gift-giving very, very easy. All you have to do is go to redenvelope.com, enter Heidi and Frank at the checkout, and save 20%. Welcome back to Vox Populi, the voice of the occasionally interested people. Welcome to hour number two of Vox Populi, a political talk show for people who spend more time managing their lives than their point of view. Here's your host, Sean Astin. Welcome back. Welcome back to the second hour of Vox Populi. Here's a little schoolhouse rock from the old days. Yes, that's right. Beans and rice is nice. Some great advice from the folks over there at Schoolhouse Rock. 
Looks like Sean is uh, trying to track down. Hello, hello. Here. Are you there? Oh, here we go. Yeah, it's Brett. Hey, Brett. It's Sean again. Talk to Mac for a minute, okay, buddy? I, I want to, actually. Hello, Brett. I own that whole DVD set, Mac. Oh, it's good stuff, isn't it? Good stuff indeed. It's awesome. How you been, man? What's going on? Oh, you know, you don't get enough love. We're big um, big uh, fans of uh, Will. Oh, that's, that's very nice. That was 20 years ago. You know how bad my diet was when we made that movie? <laughs> my kids love that movie. It's a good we movie. We watch it all the time. It's success of the human spirit. There's, it's hard not to like that, that sort of stuff. Absolutely. That falls in the same category as Rudy for me. Indeed. We actually we made those movies about uh, around the same time, uh, and I think Rudy came out a little bit before Iron Will, uh, and will be around a lot longer, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, what did you uh, what did you have for breakfast yeah, this morning? Right, right. What did I have for breakfast? I uh, I actually drank a meal replacement uh, shake. Uh, Fantastic. Huh? Uh, for breakfast and for dinner, as a matter of fact, uh, lunch is the only uh, regular meal I eat. Is it is it uh, is it Slim Fast? I'm reminded of uh, the old commercial with Tommy Lasorda. Uh, um, no, shake? actually, it's uh, called Myoplex. Myoplex, and what's in it? All kinds of good stuff. Yeah, a lot. Uh, it's a real high protein, um, moderately low carb, a lot of vitamins. Um, I did a bunch of research on it um, because of of my lifestyle. It's kind of hard for me to uh, do some of the more traditional diets. It's just easier for me to grab something and go, especially in sure. the morning. Um, and my doctor had advised me to uh, pretty much cut out dinner. Um, to have some sort of a, a lower calorie replacement and have my big meal be either breakfast or lunch. Um, and what, so what do you what do you mix this shake with? Is it just water? Is it milk? Is it juice? Uh, the one that I chose is pre-made. Um, there's okay. actually better stuff if you mix it yourself. Right. Um, but I'm more likely if it's pre-made to stick to it than I am if I've got to clean a blender. Sure, sure, <laughs> that makes sense. I, I know um, I know my 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 dad who is 82 and in fantastic shape. He's been a vegetarian about uh, 40 years now. He uh, he starts off uh, the morning with a, 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 a mixed drink. He calls it, which is uh, non-alcoholic. It's it's this stuff called spirotine, and uh, he mixes yeah, it with right. uh, with with, I know that stuff. with orange juice. And uh, man, that I tell you, every now and then he'll make one for. Me and that is some fantastic stuff, and it's yeah, it's, it's really good, good stuff. The, the problem I have with the shakes that you mix in the blender too right. is I'm prone to accidentally let some ice cream fall into them, so <laughs> I try and stay away from them. These accidents like that happen, man. There's, there's if, if you, you, move, do, the, if you move the um, juicer back and forth, it, it, it's an exercise as well as a. <laughs> it's good thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, my my issue is with a, with a really bad back, so I'm trying to shed a bunch of pounds right. uh, to get to the point where I can exercise more. Sure. Um, because uh, right now I'm very large. Right. But uh, I wanted to get back to some of the things you were talking about. My uh, family is actually very um, uh, involved with uh, a group called Slow Foods um, here uh, in Jacksonville. We live in a little area of town that's kind of a Soho slash Greenwich Village area, a lot of artists and, and uh, uh, kitschy little restaurants and, and uh just it's a very eclectic, interesting community. Very, very old houses. I think the average age is around nineteen twenty-five. Nice. Um, and uh, um, it's funny. It's like wife... you're describing the setting informs the food. You know, I wonder. Well, if it you does. Know... Yeah. It, it really does because the people that have, it, it's had a revival um, over the last two, three years, um, with a lot of new businesses and new restaurants moving in, um, with some fantastic chefs. Um, there's a little tapas bar that we go to, uh, one that I invited uh, Sean to called uh, Black Sheep. They use uh, everything is from locally grown uh, or locally raised um, uh, 
places from this low foods community, a, a group called Black Hog Farms, which is local. Um, best hamburger I've had on three continents, no kidding. Better than Zig's. Um, it's a strong you know, endorsement. And, and it was when you're deployed, before. I'm wondering what kind of, how good your hamburgers are. <laughs> but, uh, but, so, I, I wouldn't pollute it with ketchup. That's how good it is. Uh, you know what, Brett? Don't go anywhere. Stay right where you are, okay? Uh, sure. Stay right where you are. Hold on here. Sean is pointing. Hello? Hi. I'm sorry to keep you waiting so long. Go ahead. Tell the world about food. Oh, um, <laughs> well, I just uh, called in with a recipe that my dad gave me. Oh, you did? What? What is it? Uh, well, it's. I know you're trying to uh, talk about maybe things that are more on the healthy side. This is not. Uh, well, food, the, the conversation's be wide open. Tell me about it. What's the, what's the recipe? Uh, well, it's for burger beans, and he makes this um, every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, but he recently made some a couple of days ago. It's um, two uh, big 32-ounce cans of beans, which you drain, um, a tablespoon of mustard, two cups of brown sugar, one diced onion, uh, one cup of ketchup, two pounds of burger, which he says you should like heavily season with salt and pepper, and then you put them in the oven at 400 degrees and leave them in there for about 45 minutes, and then they're done. So they're not moist at the end uh, of it. They're not what? They're not moist. I mean, they're they're pretty uh, they're pretty crispy at the end of it. No, they're not. They're not really that crispy. They just have to get hot. All that's all the ingredients kind of have to cook in. They're actually better the next day because they've kind of gelled a little bit more. Uh, but they're really sweet because of the brown sugar. Sounds like my kind and, of food. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. What were you saying? No, no, no. I'm just saying. You know, I, well, we'll we're going to talk about nutrition a little bit more in a minute, and I want to get back to Brett. But uh, but all right. And these are bean burgers. Bur no, burger beans. They're burger just beans. Uh, beans with a lot of burger in them. And uh, the, like I said, they're really, really sweet. You can tell when you've made them right because um, anything you drink, uh, even if it's soda, it'll taste like water um, because these are so sweet. Well, I have a very strong addiction to sugar, so I'm, I'm sure that I'd be happy to go into that diabetic coma after that meal. So, yeah, the, br the brown sugar in them, sometimes he puts uh, three cups of brown sugar instead of just two. Uh, depending on how sweet you want them to be, but they are really, really good, and they're kind of like the the staple food around the holidays. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you for sharing the recipe. Good stuff. It's Sarah, right? Is that Sarah? Yes. Yeah, okay, Sarah. It's uh, that's good stuff. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. All right. I'm going to go and uh, and we'll hear what Brett's got to say. He's about to tell us about uh. Uh, artist shantytown uh, culinary delight so we're going to go over there for a minute all right <laughs> all right bye kiddo bye hello yo brett hey all right art town culinary delight tell me okay well you know we've we've got several now uh, we've got uh, a couple of up upscale places the, the one i mentioned black sheep another one called orsay which is a if you're a wine connoisseur, that's it's basically a wine bar built around a uh, restaurant, um, and the chef there is pretty good. Uh, um, we got this place called Top of That, which is a, a tapas bar. Chef Ariel, uh, good friends with my wife, um, and the food trucks have have really had a revival. Um, we have several friends now that have uh, 
have started up food trucks around the city. Oh, yeah, it's a movement. It's the a city movement. hasn't been really friendly with yet, but uh, they're working it out. Yeah, because the restaurants feel threatened by, right? Yeah, and that's just it. We Our downtown area has, has really not done well um, uh, through some uh, fairly poor management from the city, in my opinion. But... Uh, um, and and as a, as a result, uh, it had a lot of uh, a lot of decay. Basically, a lot of a lot of companies moved out, a lot of empty buildings and whatnot, and, and so it's really suffered on the local economy. It's starting to come back, um, and and we've got a mayor that seems to be a little smarter about uh, about the policies in, in that area, and he has has allowed uh, some of the trucks to park uh, out of the way of the main restaurants, which I think is keeping everybody happy. But just some really great culinary stuff coming out. I mean, we've got a couple of small breweries that have opened up. Um, one of them literally a block away from my kids' elementary school when they went there. Um, you always want to you know, not have to go far to get your beer. <laughs> like at, yeah, at yeah, no, I don't. And, and they all buy they all buy from each other. I mean, we've got a, a, a theater that opened up a block down from us, or, or a couple of blocks down from us, and, and it used to be an old theater back in the 20s, and, and, and a couple came in, uh, teachers actually, and bought the place and refurbished the whole thing, and they've opened it up. They're doing a lot of art house type stuff, but also, you know, mainstream movies, um, and they, their beer, they serve beer, and it comes from one of the local uh, breweries. The candy comes from a local candy maker. Um, you know, they do fresh popcorn that, that comes from that Brad, I want, Brad hold on, because I, I may have the FDA calling in here. Just hang on one second, okay? okay? It may be just a regular caller, but not the regular caller is bad, but I'm hoping for the FDA. Hold on. Hello, it's Sean. You're on the air. Who's this? This is Tyler DeRosa calling from Marconda's Meats. Hey, Tyler, how are you, man? I'm well. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, can you boost uh, Johnny Ice? Can you boost his sound just a little bit? So uh, you are calling. You are a butcher, right? Yes, sir. And you are the uh, your dad. It's your dad's market that you work at. Yes, it is. It's how long? Passed you... down through the family. We've been here since about 1941. 1941. Can you say the name of the uh, of of the uh, the shop? Marconda's Meats. Marconda's Meats. Where, where are you in town? We're located on 3rd and Fairfax in the Farmer's Market. In the Farmer's Market. Interesting. Yep. I can't wait. Okay, so tell me something. We, we're talking on the show today all about food. You know, mm -hmm. we just had a restaurant uh, tier on the on the phone. We've got people letting me know what their recipes are. and, and But I want to hear from you. What is it like to work in your end of the food business? Well, what's it? well? I guess you could say where where it all starts out. If you want a good meal, you got to have good meat. So we, you know, supply to restaurants and supply to people that want good meat. So where do you guys get the meat from? Well, we have a couple different places we get meat from. Our biggest supplier is up in Montana. It's called uh, Piedmontese beef. Um, it's a very natural grass-fed beef that I can do a lot from them. We also use Myron Ranch beef, uh, their prime products. And uh, and so you were talking about, um, uh, you said corn-fed? Grass-fed. Well, we do do some corn-fed, but most of our stuff is going to be the grass-fed. The grass-fed. I mean, is that because the folks who are shopping at the farmer's market, that's what they, that's what they want? Yes, it's a very popular thing. We also do do Wagyu beef and stuff like that that are a little less healthy, but a lot more flavorful. And and how, I mean, is there any way, I mean, you kind of have to trust the, the 
distributor, right? I mean, you, you, there's, there's there's no way to like do a you're not going to do independent testing of it. Basically, when when you buy something for someone who says this is how it's grown, I mean, I guess if they have a certification or something, then you're trusting that yeah. whoever it is in the government. That, yes, that. And then also, with a lot of our suppliers, we actually, as a family, go down and visit their ranches and look and watch how things are done and how they're raised. We get firsthand say, like, we've been there. We know how it's raised, you know. And and. What, what do you when the when the meat comes to you? Is it sort of pa I have this image of it being packed in salt or something or in a refrigerated container. How does it come to you? Um, well, it depends on what we're getting. A lot of the stuff that we get in comes in boxed and cryovacs, um, but some stuff you know we get in that comes in hanging on hooks and we hang it here in the cooler and dry age it and cut off it. Is it? Uh, Wow, I, I'm just trying. It's an art form, isn't it, really? Or it's, it's yes. at least a, a highly refined skill. Yes, I would, say, I would say a little of both. So. And where and, and your dad taught you this? Yes. Did you know that you wanted to do it, or were you like, I really don't want to get into that? No, no. I've always been interested since I was a young kid and hanging around the store and stuff, you know, and just picked it up, and that's what I ended up doing. So. Do you end up ever going to the restaurants that you provide the meat for? Yeah, here and there. Um, and do you, a lot and of the it, restaurants we do are out here in the L.A. area, and I actually personally live out in the Santa Clarita area, so I don't make it to a lot of the restaurants. But, of course, you know, we send customers to the restaurants that, you know, use our meats and stuff like that. Oh, of course. And what um, – is it the – I was talking to the the owner of a few restaurants, and I was asking huh? kind of – who does the buying? And he said it's the chefs. Is that basically who you work with is yes, the chefs? Yes. We, on a lot of cases, we work with the chefs um, because they really, they're, they know the bottom line of what they want and what they're looking for. So we really, most of the time, it's the chefs that are calling us and deciding, you know, what they want, and they're going to be the ones controlling the quality and stuff. So how do you uh, what what's the state of the 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 business the industry at this point? How would you describe what's going on in your the you know with your work? Uh, you know what I think people are becoming more conscious about what they're eating, um, and I think it's it's a growing business. The the okay so there's no there's no direct threat from uh, vegetarianism to the uh, the butcher class. Uh, there's always been that, but I, you know, I, something like that's never going to put, you know, someone like us out of business, you know, where uh, people, some people are going that route, but a lot of the people are going for the sustainability and stuff like that and the growth of the animals and that they're natural and all that, and we do cater to that, and we always have since the beginning, before that was a fad. And, and do you, um, if people... I suppose the chefs wouldn't need to know, but I mean, if people do, you sell to individuals. I guess if you're a farmer's yeah, market, of course, of course. So do you give them guidance about how to prepare it? I mean, is that just a one-to-one? -one, I'm going to give you advice, or do you hand hand them some sort of literature or something? No, no. Well, we do do both, but just about everybody here uh, knows enough about cooking, enough about our product that we're able to actually talk to the customer one-on-one -on -one and help them find what ways you know best to cook which products. Wow. So are there, what are the most what are the most and least popular or what, what the I don't want to say least popular but what is the rarest and what is the most popular of the cuts that you do? Oh boy. Well, I wouldn't say there's anything that that, that is that rare. I mean, everything we do we uh is whatever the public is really in want at. 
But I'd say our biggest business is going to be on, you know, steaks, prime steaks. Yeah. So, okay, and, and in terms of, um, you know, uh, when you go to restaurants here, I'm not sure if it's the FDA or whoever it is, but they rate, the, oh. they give you an A rating or a B rating. Are you guys covered by those same people? As far as, like, a health department rating? Yeah, health department. Yeah, of course we are. Well, I just don't know how the farmer's market works. It's like, uh, I mean, I, I guess know. the farmer's market where you are is a more, it's there all the time. It's not like the one out where I live where it's only on Saturdays for three hours. Yeah, and, yeah. No, we're here seven days a week from 9 in the morning till 9 at night, and our establishment is a building within a farmer's market. So, you know, it's it's open air, but we're actually in a building. We do get, you know, inspected just like any any restaurant would be inspected. So we are always here. We never move. So is there is there anything before I let you go? Is there anything else about Mac? Do you have any questions? My little brother is also is a co-host of the show. Mac, do you have any questions for what it's like at the butchery? I do not. No. No. You know what you need to know. I've been there, and it's a fantastic place to show. Well, oh, I know what I want to ask you. What do you think of? Uh, it must be like asking a uh, a sports car driver what it's like to to run a jalopy. But what do you think about the meats and stuff at fast food restaurants? Are those just awful? Well. I, as long as, you know, if you don't mind not knowing what's in your burger, I mean, then it's great stuff, you know? <laughs> Meat surprise. Meat I surprise. Mean, you know, they, they pretty much use the whole cows in their ground beasts and stuff, you know, whereas here we like to know exactly what's in our mix. We'll make custom mixes for people and stuff. But if you walk up to our counter and, you know, we say we have, you know, ground chuck or ground sewing, it's going to be exactly what you asked for, so... You know, we like, you know, a lot of the restaurants and stuff that we cater to, you know, like to know that exactly what's in their ground beef, and we're able to offer that because we cut the meat fresh here and grind it fresh. Well, Tyler, I really appreciate you calling and, uh, and, and sharing your, uh, your knowledge and your wisdom there, and uh, I wish you guys another uh, many generations of, of success doing what you do. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right, man. Bye for now. Okay. Hello? 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 Hey, who's this? This is Linda. Linda, okay, don't go anywhere, Linda. I'm just going to finish up with Brett and I'll come right back, okay? Okay. Okay. Let me see if I get Brett here. Hello? Hello, Brett? Yeah, I, w I wonder if he had hello, to go. Hello, Brett. You might have had to go. There you go. There you go. Uh, did you hear that with the uh, with the butcher on the line? Oh yeah, absolutely. That was um, interesting. I, actually, my father-in-law raised uh, up until very recently raised cattle uh, for slaughter. As a matter of fact. Wow. Well, uh, okay. Any last thoughts before I jump on? Linda's calling on the other line here, and then I want to actually share uh, my no, personal No, actually, I'm just glad you came back so I could say goodbye. I got to go pick up my daughter, and it was good talking to you guys. All right, all the best, Brett. Always, Brett. Always. Take care, brother. Have a good one, Jeff. Me too. Linda. Hi, Sean. How are you? Good, good, good. You're uh, you've been you've been uh, you were traveling. You were yes, I have. Been. A lot of traveling. Lots more coming up too. And some of it not so much fun though. Yeah. Well, I wish you uh, success and safe trip and and good uh, health for your with your family. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Talk to me about food. Well, I actually wanted to ask you about food. Okay. Um, I know that at some point you were a vegetarian. I don't know if you are now or not, and just wanted to have you tell us about how you made the decisions on I, what you uh, eat. 
I'm, I, it was it's a perfect timing. I was just about to launch into my, uh, the reason I wanted to do this topic has, has to do with, uh, with my, with my eating and, and, uh, I'll go, I'll go all through that. So you, you can hang out and listen this way in case you want to comment or you can, uh, okay. hang up and listen. It's entirely up to you. Okay. Okay. I'll so here we go. My name is Sean Aston, and at 41 years old, it's fair to say that I do not know how to eat. Wait, but you, 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 wait, you don't, you forgot how to chew? <laughs> oh, I can masticate. No, whoa. No, I, I, uh, I like everything. I like everything. I can eat anything. Uh, you know, listening to that butcher talk, I was picturing a, you know, nice 24 ounce prime rib and I could just go to town on that. And, you know, I, I was listening to Sarah talk about her, uh, or no, it was, uh, Michelle talking about a stroganoff and, Sarah's talking about the uh, the bean burgers and like I you know I'm just sitting here I could eat I could eat everything and and uh, my my personal relationship to food and weight is as it is for uh, most people some people not which I find really annoying by the way if, like, for example you Mackenzie I believe you're, <laughs> you're being accusatory so it's my metabolism yeah your your, your metabolism is a, is an effrontery well. <laughs> <laughs> I want to masticate stroganoff. I'll masticate stroganoff. Oh, see, we just keep using that word, don't we? <laughs> so anyhow, so what I what I have done when I was like nineteen and I acted in a movie uh, called Where the Day Takes You, I was told by the director a week, maybe ten days before filming, he said, "I want you to." I was pl playing a drug addict, and he said, "I want you to look really thin and gaunt and get that drug addict look." So I went to the doctor and I said, "How much? How little?" Can I possibly eat without, like, having an organ shut down? <laughs> and he said 400 calories a day, minimum. You know, like a little tiny piece of chicken and a little tiny piece of cucumber, you know, maybe a dollop of mustard on it or something like that. So for 10 days, that's what I ate, and I, I lost 10 pounds in, uh, in just, you know, in five, six, seven days, something like that. And, uh, and I, I think I look pretty good in the movie. The problem was... Something happened to my metabolism in the period of time right afterwards because I had never been over 130 in my life, 130 pounds, and I ballooned up to about 185 in about six weeks. So clearly my metabolism and my body had felt as though it was starving and decided to grab on to its, uh, you know, grab on to any little morsel that came in and store it. Um, and then I was going to get married, so I started running. Uh, I mean, I've been running my whole life, but I, I actively, you know, the uptick in miles was uh, was noticeable. And somehow when I was running a lot, I was actually eating a little bit less. And so I got down to one whatever it was for, for the for the wedding and then did something else. And then the yo-yo the yo happened. The yo-yo, something you wouldn't understand when it comes to weight, Mackenzie, but the yo-yo the where I could go in a given seven-month period up or down 30 pounds. Mm. And on a five foot seven frame, not so pretty. Um, I had run the LA Marathon and got down to a fighting 164 uh, as a 28 year old man, 29 year old man, and then got the part in Lord of the Rings, and ended up, you know, the part called for being fat. So I did a lot of uh, heavy weightlifting for a few weeks, and then stopped weightlifting and kept eating and got up to just about 200 pounds. I never saw a two on a scale, but I knew not to step on the scale while I was a dead two. Um, so, you know, in an interesting way, my professional life has had a, an, an uh, appreciable impact on my weight. 
sadly, very little, if anything, has had to do with a conscious focus on diet, on what I eat. I basically just treat my body, you know, either like a, this is my old phrase I used to say, like a high-performance sports car or a dump truck. And so um, it just, I was running a lot last year. You know, I'm a runner. That's my thing. And I had gotten down really skinny for a short period of time. And then I developed a, an ankle, a, 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 an Achilles issue, and then a, uh, a, a, a tore a calf muscle. I had torn a calf muscle a year before, but I, I tore it on the other calf now, and then it's a slightly n another tear. And so I ended up backing off running for six months, and uh, sure as we're sitting here, I ballooned up from what was probably 166, 167 to 199 plus. Mm. And throughout, you know, one of the, there's a lot of really great questions coming through on Twitter. I mean, it, this is food is such an interesting galvanizing topic. I mean, I'm just seeing such a, uh, I mean, here's Christina B. Who, that's me now, quit smoking, exercising, eating much better, feel like a different person. I know it's because of the food. You know, every, it, she's got a story. Everybody's got a story about, yeah, the way they eat, you know, and what, what's important to them. Somebody was asking about celebrities and the celebrity fad diets and going up and down, you know, 15 pounds in a, in a short period of time. And um, so what happened was, f fast forward to January 2nd of this year, three short weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. Yes. And I was just feeling that awful, thick, my God, I'm never going to get back to where I know I know what it feels like because I was only there nine months ago, but it's so hard. And the reason it's so hard is, and it was clear to me, and it's been clear to me for a long time. I've done the things where you have the food delivered to your house, and so you're eating five times a day, meals that have been prepared. I've done the zone you know, thing. I've done all these different things, and they always work when I do them. And then I take my attention off of it, and like everybody else, it goes – you, you kind of go the other way. Yeah. So I, I watched a documentary on the 2nd of January. And it was called uh, uh, Hungry for Change. And it was a brilliant doc documentary about nutrition. And uh, I, I noticed in, in the period of time right afterwards, I watched seven documentaries. And then I read three books on nutrition. Mm. All I mean, within, I'm talking in a week. I was I was gorged. powering through this. I yeah, go yeah. I gorged on nutrition data. Uh, even when I was running, I had my I had uh, in defense of food uh, nutrition book uh, in my headsets while I was running. I yes. mean, I was just so. And I, we talked during that time, Mac, and I, I said I was so grateful that information was out there that would speak to this because you go to the bookstore and you. Uh, something about movies and documentaries in particular have a unique ability, whether they're no matter what they're about, to transmit data in a way that that uh, books usually do, but in a in a in a, in a you know visual culture somehow sometimes uh, it, the music, the imagery, the different people they talk to, you're drawing on a lot of people's expertise. It just becomes a, uh, uh, a, a just a, a vessel to transmit information. So what I noticed about the documentaries was that they break themselves down along basically two lines, two, two thematic – there's a kind of thematic separation between them. And one is the kind that shows the atrocities of uh, farm 
you know, farming and, and the way animals are uh, taken care of and, and abused in many cases and, and uh, the, the toxins that are, that are put into the, put, you know, cows, for example, or whatever it is, the um, chickens, the way the chickens are handled, the way fish farms work, the way all these things. And, and it's basically a kind of um, castigation. It's an excoriation of the maltreatment of, uh, you know, creatures. And, mm. and there's a, a decided environmentalism thrust that comes, that comes through them, you know, uh, sustained, sustainable living and, and uh, um, you know, the kind of cycle of life um, and, and uh, you know, and the politics, the politics that go into it. Can we all uh, get along? Talking about uh, farm subsidies and the ways in which, you know, the U.S. government will prop up certain industries, corn industries or, or other kind of industries. It says if the market goes down, the government's still going to ensure that you get a certain amount of thing. And if, as a politician, you speak out against these farm sub subsidies in some way, shape, or form, you're toast. Uh, the, you know, the gun lobby, the corn lobby, the, you know, the health care lobby, the, the pharmaceutical lobby. The, these are these are organizations who are uh, determinedly self-interested, Ching. and uh, for as as a as a profit motive. Not to say that everybody in them is uh, is malevolent, but but this is a fact that the government has its role, and these organizations have their role, and they are generally uh, binary or or competitive with each other. Um, unless you hire people to run the org the, the oversight organizations who actually work for the companies that, uh, that that they're supposed to be regulating, at which, which point it's a much more e easy... Yeah, it happens uh, all the time, right? So anyway, so that's one strand of documentary with regard to food. Um, and I would call uh, Food Inc. Um, uh, oh, and you know what? There's maybe a third strand as well. The, the, second, the second one being uh, the... the uh, Oversized me, what's it called? The super size super me, size me super and size these other things that just deal with human beings who are just, uh, you know, victimized by themselves, by uh, the food industry, by a culture of, of uh, a, a consumer culture. Uh, you know, the, these, so there's, and the, those, those kind of uh, things. So then, uh, then there's the, the, the third kind, which is the one that, that I started really getting excited about, which is the, the kind of uh, nutrition-based. Uh, and it's, it's not totally um, nonpartisan. There's a definite partisan thrust of them. Um, but, but talking about the, and talking about uh, the, the, the history of, um, for example, the government's relationship to food in this country, which is um, in many ways, uh, they talk about different, uh, you know, secretaries of agriculture, uh, and and they talk about the Second World War and what happened to uh, food when the idea of the food was to become mass produced, mm. uh, and so you could and have a, a kind of more food for less money, yes, uh, and and how that. Um, uh, the impact that that's had on on life. Then then you look at uh, technology, yes. the ability for scientists to pull apart all kinds of food and study them, uh, and and to and to uh, modify them yeah. and engineer them, yeah. uh, and in some cases, uh, you know, to the to the great benefit of the public and in other ways mm -hmm. to the to the to the detriment of the public. Well, no, I mean you you also have certain medicines that uh, that sort of came about from that kind of process but then you, you then they talk about things like um every major every civilization every every community of people 
that is, has existed with a diet outside of a Western diet, who comes to America or who Western diet is introduced to, within a matter of short matter of years, the incidence of diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and all other kinds of maladies skyrockets. Um, they talk about um, refined sugar. Yes. And what happens when you consume? I am, uh, you know, a sugar addict. Yes. There is no question about it. Uh, whether you're getting it from pastas or breads or other kinds of uh, uh, processed uh, wheats that that metabolize instantly as sugar and 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 uh, is a kind of delivery system of sugar to the brain to you know milk duds at the movie theater and whatever whatever and anything else and and uh, and and something that everybody and their sister knows is just awful but many of us still love and that's soft drinks with the uh, the corn uh, syrup in it and uh, and all the things that corn is in what they did what they've done uh, what scientists have been able to do hired by corporations to do is to corn is extraordinary. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to be a zealot for any one particular uh, modality. Yes, any one particular. Zealous about that opinion, you I'm, are. I'm zealously unzealous. I'm unzealified. But I, but I, I must say that I was moved by what I was reading uh, about plant-based whole food diets. Uh, and you know, I love meat. I love, I love, I love chicken. I love chicken nuggets. I love, you know, I, I know I can't, I would, I'd go home to the house and I'd drive on PCH and I know right where that McDonald's is and I pull it over and then I, I drive looking out at the, you know, glistening water and dipping it into the, uh, <laughs> barbecue or sweet and sour Portraiting, <laughs> portrait of incongruity. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, you know, so I, uh, but I found myself when I was a, um, I was a, Linda, you're right. I was a vegetarian for a period of years, but I must say I probably ate worse as a vegetarian than I did as a meat eater. Um, I did not, you know, the great unifying theme of all the movies and all the books, the one thing that is un, unimpeachably true and inoffensive to anyone, including the butcher, is you got to eat more vegetables. Mm. That's it. You got to eat more vegetables. Yes. Um, you know, the, the, the U.S. daily recommended allowance for any of these nutrients uh, that, that are out there um, is in a lot of cases sort of woefully inadequate. And other places like with vegetables where you, you, have, to, you have to eat 9 to 11 vegetables, this, uh, 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 servings of vegetables a day yeah. if you want to satisfy the government recommendation of – so what happens is, at least for me, you sort of go, I, I make two. You know, I get two, maybe two, you know, and that's when I sweep aside the uh, the kale garnish on whatever meal at a fancy restaurant I'm having because that's just there for decoration. I'm not going to actually eat it. So I uh, – so, I, you know, two. So one of the things uh, – and the other movies that I watched, by the way, I actually have a list of them here that mm. I was going to yes. read to yes. the listening public. And we're uh, looking for the list now. Nutrition documentaries. Hungry for Change, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, which is incredible yes. uh, story about this Australian guy who does a 60-day cleanse and uh, juice cleanse. And then he ends up helping this trucker, this like morbidly obese 300-pound trucker. 
uh, in Georgia it changed his life. And it just, if for no, it's incredibly inspiring. I, you know, yes. Uh, Forks over knives is an interesting one. Quite um, compelling that one. Quite compelling. Food matters is fascinating. Food matters is all about um, how the healthcare industry consciously refuses to deal with diet as a, uh, a, a, a an ameliorating, you know thing in in terms of healing chiching the uh the you know it's not a panacea it being a healthy diet you know eating more vegetables having the right wow. uh, grains and diet it's, it's not no because sometimes people have yeah. they have cancer and the fact is the cancer uh, that that technologies to deal with cancer are extraordinary, and all of these documentaries make a caveat at the beginning before they go on and on, sort of, you know, decrying how crappy the the food the, uh, the hospitals are and and doctors and everything else for not focusing more on diet. They all make the caveat that, but sometimes you need it, you know, the, both for a liability reason. They don't want to be sued by somebody who could have gotten you know a stage you know one cancer thing dealt with through some chemotherapy or some of the radiation or something like that and instead they do they they follow the you know very simple guidance that comes from a little documentary and they do it to their detriment so you know i would never uh, you know i think western medicine has uh is is extraordinary in so many ways but in this particular way woefully inadequate uh, and I actually sent it to our mom and was like, Mom, please watch this immediately. Mm. Um, you know, I want my mom to be – I want our mom to be around for, you know, till she's 100. I want her to see her grandkids, uh, you know, grow up and play with her grandkids. And, you know, and, and what, you, what you see is that, you know, one of the other phrases that gets used in all of these things is overfed and undernourished. Mm -hmm. That the, In the American diet, we are – to a clinical standard, overfed and undernourished, and when you're not getting the right nourishment, you just keep eating and keep eating and keep eating until you, uh, you know, until you're bloated and you can't, you know, can't do it anymore. Um, so, but this idea that with the right kind of, uh, uh, you know, vegetables, the right kinds of grains, the right kinds of nuts and berries and things that you can actually, um, you know, and that. You know, there's there's differences. They talk about the differences between animal protein and vegetable protein, and you know, non-animal protein because you can get it from. Uh, I think it was Michelle who really quickly laid it out. Um, you know, it's funny to me how uh, we have this kind of common knowledge about uh, you know what's quote unquote healthy. Well, I'm not. You know, you kind of generally say I'm not going to eat that because I know. You know, if you're buying it in a in a you know gas station freezer, it's probably not that healthy for you. But um, but anyhow, the the uh, Food Matters documentary just talks in great detail using lots of scientific data and charts and graphs and everything else and interviews with smart people and then kind of showing you some ways forward uh, the, about the nature of disease and and uh, how you know toxins are stored in your in your fats and how your fatty cells and how you can kind of unlock those anyway another one called plan eat p l a n and then e a t uh like planet but plan eat uh oh. deals with organic farmers there's one called food fight that kind of uh, I don't know, for me, because it was sort of the last in that order of ones I read, felt like it was rehashing it, but it was interesting. And there's all these other ones. There's the Clinton one. 
uh, was it Sick Around America? No, what's the Clinton one? Clinton one is f uh, The Beautiful Truth? No, I don't know. There's a whole, there's a ton of these. Fresh, Farmageddon, The Beautiful Truth, Killer at Large, The Gerson Miracle. You see that a lot in, in it. Um, and, I, and I just found myself devouring this information and then I ended up going to Williams-Sonoma. It was funny that uh, that Brett mentioned Williams-Sonoma. I went to Williams-Sonoma and I and I noticed when you walked in that in the front, you know, the big posters in the beginning were about juicers, right? A week earlier, it was about saute dishes and, and other stuff right before Christmas. Cha-ching. But they're very, uh, they're very clever about these things. And, uh, and I bought a juicer, and then we went to the, uh, f the, the farmer's market. It had been, it's been around, you know, I've lived in my house for 10, 11 years. Farmer's market is there every Saturday. I think I've been once or twice total in the 11 years we've been there. I went with the family. We loaded up our cart with, you know, all of a sudden, based on all this reading and information and knowledge that I was doing, I, I, I knew what things were. Yes. I could identify bulbs. I could identify, you know, Feel the chard. Force. Do you know what chard is? I don't, through you. Yeah. So, and, and spinach and kale and all these kind of things. And I got home and my seven-year-old sat on the butcher block and I got this, you know, industrial strength, you know, restaurant quality juicer from Williams-Sonoma. And uh, I just started... Uh, you know, pouring a huge thing through there, and I was in the cup, and I'd taste it, and I'd sort of go, "Wow, that tastes like dog crap," you know. And but I, but I could, I could tolerate it. I could tolerate, it. I could tolerate a little dog crap. If the, and so I gave it to my uh, daughter, and she'd taste it. No, she didn't like that. And then we try different things back and forth, and back and forth. And she loved them. You had a little pineapple. She loved it. You put, and then coconut milk. And I'm on the on the the floor of the of the the kitchen like a like a monkey, you know hammering open the coconut very difficult to open a coconut uh, very difficult not the way i do it pal mm. i can do it i don't even need to shuck the sucker <laughs> wow <laughs> i'll never forget that moment <laughs> so but anyhow uh so then i just decided to do one of these things where you just drink juice for a few days to try and as a detox kind of a thing i ended up doing it for about 11 days now how'd you feel well for the first seven days I was walking on clouds. I just, I mean, the goal is, um, I sort of, after watching these documentaries, I kind of internalized the idea that the goal shouldn't be to lose weight. Mm -hmm. That losing weight should be a byproduct of giving your, giving your body what your body really wants and needs. Uh, and the other, th but the other thing is, it's a drug. Sugar is a drug. Mm. It's a drug in its natural state, but in its refined and um, manufactured state, it really, 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 really is a drug. And some of the other foods that we eat have a kind of uh, hypnotic and and, uh, narcotic. and narcotic. Thank you. Yeah, narcotic quality. So I felt like for the first day or two, I was I was having to fight this feeling of of. Uh, because I was getting everything I want. I was getting 9 to 11 servings of vegetables. I was just getting it in the form of juice. You know, you, you add uh, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a bunch of the green stuff, and it looks like a green deal, and you drink it and whatever. It was fine. So, and it's funny because since then, I'm sort of working on a movie, and everywhere I go, I sort of sheepishly mention this juicing thing. And by the way, the juice, there's another juicer that Christine bought that uh, is on the, the infomercials. And as soon as you watch, you're like, oh, great, I'm never going to drink a juice again because now I'm an infomercial guy, and I don't want to be an infomercial guy. So, um, so, but people all are into it. People know about juicing. So I, so I did this thing, and weight fell off. Mm. I mean, just 
fell off. Now, I was also running. It was very easy for me as soon as a little bit of weight started to come off was to jump uh, back on, into the running mode using a treadmill, which I don't re- never used to do, but, I, but using the treadmill. So I was kind of accelerating the process by, by running, you know, four or five miles, six miles, seven miles, that kind of thing. That has a, a serious impact on it. But, but I, was, uh, I dropped like 15 pounds, I mean, mm. without even thinking about it. Mm-mm-mm. And it didn't hurt until day seven. Uh, seven, eight, and nine, or eight, nine, and ten. The days eight, nine, and ten. I found that I was uh, for a veg for eating a lot of veg. I was in a vegetative state. I was very uh, lethargic, and I couldn't focus. And I was, and that at the end of the third day, I thought, I don't know how some of those guys in the movies did went did as long as they did with their detox programs or whatever. So I started introducing a little bit of fruit. And I'll tell you, tomato soup, a little bit of garlic, never tasted so good. You're like, oh my god. But then, but then I ate. You know, a bowl of it, and I thought, oh, I've gorged myself. So now what I'm basically – I don't know what I am anymore. <laughs> what I know is – what I know is that I don't – I know that if I start eating the way that I was eating beforehand, the 15 pounds that I've lost will be a 30-pound gain in four days. Mm. It'll just be instantaneous. Mm. So I, I don't want that to happen. So I and I, you know, I, I saw a sugar thing. I saw a chocolate thing the other day, and I looked at it, and I had this stare down. Mm. I had this stare down with it, and it was, uh, you know, I won that one, <laughs> but uh, I, I honestly felt like I should be in in a program somewhere that to, that deals with, you know, because and not and not just um, behavior, but. Um, you know, narcotic, whatever that is. I don't know if narcotic is the right actual word. That's what it feels like. But whatever the brain chemistry associated with food is, is stronger than, you know, will, when people talk about willpower, you just want to flip them off and sort of go, screw you. I've got tons of willpower, tons. I do. I run marathons. I've done amazing things in my life where I've demonstrated willpower. This is like bigger than that. So what I really am committed to doing now, I'm sort of experimenting with the idea of a, uh, a plant-based whole foods diet, which is what I've heard about. Interesting when it comes to long distance running, how do you get the nutrients you need? What do you eat beforehand? I'm, I'm, I have a half marathon coming up, so I'm doing that. Uh, but of course, I talked to the butcher and while my daughters would want to throw up out of disgust at the butcher, I'm like, that sounds pretty good to me, man. Mm. Um, oh, we got a caller coming in here. Let's let's go for the caller. And then uh, Johnny, I want to ask you a question. Uh, hello there. You're on the air. Who's this? Hi, this is Sarah. I'm from Vancouver, Canada. Uh, you probably know me as uh, Vox Pax 2, one of your captains. Absolutely. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? Good. The, just for the listeners, captains meaning uh, I have this inspirational Twitter campaign called Run Third. Uh, I run first for myself. I run second for my wife and family, and I run third for quote-unquote you, and then we make dedications via Twitter to loved ones and family, friends, ideas, causes we believe in. It's It costs nothing. It's a very sweet thing, and, and after I did it for a long time, I, I wanted it to extend beyond me, so I created it. I created. I basically said, hey, why don't people become team captains for this run third idea, and you, uh, Sarah, is one of them, and you've done a great job with your reports. Now we've got a blog that Linda runs, and uh, over at uh, runthirdblogspot.com. Uh, what do you got for me, Sarah? Are you running this weekend at the Disneyland? Uh, no, but I'll be running on the 27th for the Chili Chase here in Vancouver. Oh, sweet. How's your, uh, how's your training? How's your running going? Um, it's been pretty slow, but <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, it'll be coming along. I am thinking uh, currently of the... Uh, 
possibly going from a 5K to attempting a 40-miler. So from a 5K a to idea, a 40-miler? Yeah, I usually do the 5Ks, but I'm thinking of attempting to do a 40-miler. Have you done any 10Ks? No, I have not. <laughs> yeah, you need to start with a 10K. Don't go right to a 40-miler. That's just not smart. You'll get hurt. Don't do that. <laughs> it's fun. That's I'm not one. discouraging you from doing it, but you have to test several intermediate steps before you get there, just as a matter of common sense. But go ahead, talk about food. What do you What do you have to say about food? Um, well, I had a question about uh, your uh, hydroponics. Uh, hydroponics uh, seems to. I've been doing some looking into it, and it seems that uh, the hydroponic food that can be grown is not only cost efficient; it's space efficient. And um, the food seems to have a more natural, like the nutrients seem to be more packed into the plants. So I'm wondering if that's just funny. I was more in Vancouver. People or I was in Vancouver the first time I ever heard the word uh, hydroponics because I was doing a little show there, and it was a it was sort of an apocalyptic future show, and the. Um, the uh, and and the, they were growing this little kind of colony of people was growing their their fruit and vegetables using hydroponics and uh, and then I started seeing things like uh, you know you take an acre of uh, farmland and they build these essentially they look like a, a parking structure the ones I saw mm -hmm. where the kind of a circle mm -hmm. entrance and they have these t they're like towers and uh, and you can fit um, dozens of them in an acre. And the the actual usable farm you know farmable you know space is like ten times as many. Um, I don't know that I've actually eaten any food that's been produced via hydroponics, but uh, I, I I have skepticism and curiosity. Um, you know I, I'm I'm certainly not a not an expert. Mac, do you know anything about hydroponics? Well, I have some experience with hydroponic uh, products, but I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you. And well, they're now legal in Colorado, you, uh, and uh, I, I must Washington. say the efficacy is greatly improved, uh, and it does make you hungry. <laughs> oh, terrible. Uh, all right. So, do you? Uh, what was your the end of your thing, Sarah? You said, "What do I think about it?" Or, well, yeah. Do you think it's um, would it be more beneficial for people to eat food that has been um, introduced has natural nutrients that a plant needs? Um, that therefore providing more nutrients for people than it's just therefore so, people would be eating less. It's just so trippy to look up and see what is essentially the bottom of the garden that you're growing the vegetables Listen, in. Listen, <laughs> it, is, it is no more trippy than seeing the bottom of a slaughterhouse, my friend. You know what I mean? It's it's And, and that's where a lot of people are getting... I, I think it's a wonderful idea. I think, I think the more... I think the more nutrients you can get into your food, as long as they are uh, on the square and not modified, I think the better it is to put in your system. Well, I, you know, I say, I say, check it out. Um, I'll check it out. I think it's, uh, you know, we, I've, all of the books that I've been reading, several of the documentaries really emphasize um, eating foods that are uh, that are that come from close to where you live, regional foods, locally uh, sourced, locally sourced foods. Wow. Hey, you've been doing some reading too. So uh, and uh, and and they all talk about you know if you grow um, parsley and you grow certain kinds of things uh, in your uh, herbs and stuff in your own your own garden at home. Uh, you know, I played Samwise Gamgee, who's all about you know tending his own garden and stuff. But but the um, 
So, and then I was looking out at our little space of land in the back of our house and, and talking to my wife about it. And I started, I was talking about hydroponics. I'm like, well, what if we did one of those things where there, there's a drip and it's kind of a curly cue? And so, but I'm glad that you raised the, uh, the question. I'm sure now that folks who've listened to this will certainly be uh, aware and alert to, you know, read articles and maybe, you know, poke around the internet and we'll, we'll see what happens. Okay. All right. Uh, Have a great run coming up and uh, keep stay tuned for our, our Tinkerbell uh, half marathon this weekend. Yep, for sure. Okay. I'll keep in prize of it. All right. Let's go back and get Linda. Hold on. Where's Linda? Linda, we're just about finished. Are you there? I'm still here, Sean. You're the most patient person ever. Um, Go ahead. Tell me. <laughs> fit, put a button on all that. Well, I I agree with what you said about how we tend to take in uh, too much food and not in, enough nutrition, and also the comments you made about how eating um, a vegetarian diet isn't necessarily a healthy diet. I know people who have uh, eaten very unhealthy um, vegetarian diets, um, but sort of my philosophy is um, eat whatever you want as long as you do so in moderation. I think that, that a lot of the problem with diets and fat diets and your all-liquid diet is that you miss the things that you like. And if you want to have a nice, juicy steak, have a nice, juicy steak. Just don't have it all the time. If you love chocolate like I do, find yourself some really good, rich, dark chocolate and have a little piece every day. A little piece every day isn't going to hurt you. But when you try to deny yourself and, and restrict yourself from having the things you want, you end up falling off the diet and gaining back the 30 pounds after you've lost 15. And that's sort of how I feel about it. And I know that it's easier to say than it is to do. No, a lot, a lot of really smart people say the same thing, and, and uh, I've heard it over and over again. And, and I sort of think, yes, moderation, except make sure that you're getting enough of what you need, which you just said, but, uh, but uh, somehow this, this idea that there's a scale, a kind of 50-50 scale, that you know 50% of the, the stuff you want and 50% of the stuff that you know you need, and, and it creates this. Uh, it, it, you know, what I noticed is as I was walking around for the last two weeks and I'd see anything, I mean, food is everywhere. I'm like, I can never go to a movie again. The idea of going in a movie and not eating with popcorn is, it makes me want to, you know, you know, slap myself. But, but the, but then what I realized was, if you don't deny yourself, or uh, at least so far, I'm brand, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But so far for me, we got a couple of books, family cooking books, and like a vegetarian book and a vegan book. Not that I want to, you know do all that but but and then looking at the recipes of what's possible the really good stuff that's possible all of a sudden we're going towards something rather than stopping ourselves and uh, my mm-hmm. my wife has kind of um really enjoyed my leadership in this area and she actually knows an awful lot and and the kids it's just it's actually kind of brought our family together and it could be as much as what Michelle was saying is just you know when the family focuses on on nutrients and eating together and being together it's, right. it's good for the family right. but all right I want to ask Johnny Ice a couple of questions before we go do you have any last thing no that's it thank you Sean thanks Linda thanks for your patience hi Linda okay Johnny how do you eat terrible I'm a terrible eater yeah, but I believe it's all lifestyle. Um, I mean, my life—I'm uh, here most of the day, so it's kind of like wherever I'll go and grab something to eat. My favorite places are Burger King, Wendy's, uh, Taco Bell. My lo- my wife loves Taco Bell, so mm-hmm. it's like—is uh, Taco Bell the one that uses uh, soy beef for the? Uh 
for the tacos? I think I think it is. One of those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, whatever it is. I know it's junk food. He's I like, I don't I care. Probably, yeah, I know I probably <laughs> He's gonna stop going shouldn't be eating it, but it's it's delicious. It is very annoying in our culture to try and to try and adjust your diet, no matter what it yeah. is you want to adjust it to, because we we're in these uh, modes, you know. Okay. So so what? But you were saying that you want to adjust it somehow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I turned thirty this last year, and it's kind of like you know, I got to start. I, I I was really thin back in probably high school. And then once you graduate high school, you know, you go into the college and you start the drinking and then, you know, late night meals because it, if. Oh, yeah. Alcohol good. and caffeine don't do well in these documentaries. Yeah. I was watching. And I'm a soda junkie, too. I oh, that, that you got to stop that. I got to stop. that. You got to stop that. I cut it out for a month once and yeah. I lost 18 pounds. Yeah, because that, that stuff. Co- yeah, it's awful. Try it's I love it. I love it. It's terrible for you. I, I, I will. Event- I, I mean, it's a lifestyle thing. And as soon as I. You know, change how I'm living. That's my an lifestyle. easier one to kick than everything else, actually. Yeah, 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 I know it's it's been tough for me though. I mean, I drive home at you know eleven o'clock at night. So it, yeah, and I grab you know there was Wendy's because it's open late. And th- it's great. There was a, a, a study not so long ago that uh, that found that the some of the ingredients in Diet Coke actually mimic the release of norepinephrine and serotonin in your brain, which is what naturally gets released when you experience something that makes you happy. So you get into the pattern of having a Diet Coke because it makes you feel terrific. I love this stuff. I have a sip of it. Ooh, I start to feel a little bit better because there's something in there that's tricking you into thinking that you feel better. So it's, I mean, it's it's dangerous. But I, I'll tell you what, I had one uh, two, three days ago, right in the middle of the day, bam, Diet Coke down. Boom, I felt great. See, I stay away from that because of the aspartame in it. I, right. You know. You're right. So, well, what, so what's the, your plan, man? Um, obviously it's probably trying to get into the gym. There's like a 24 hour fitness, like right next door to here. And I should probably get that. Are they open all uh, the time? <laughs> See what he did there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's that. And then it's, it's starting to eat healthier. I mean, I haven't had any fast food, uh, since, since the new year. That's good. I did see a documentary at the same time. I think, which one did you see? Uh, it was like a 2020 special. Oh, okay. Um, and they were just kind of going through baby everything. steps, baby steps. That's how you do it. Yeah. That's really well, how you remember do it. Joe, the color Joe. I don't think you were there. I don't think either of you were there, but like the first or second episode, Joe called in from Texas and he wanted to make. Oh, yeah. you remember that Texas. Joe from yeah. Texas? And he wanted to make. Uh, he wanted there to be a huge tax on sodas uh, because he thought that it was adding to the healthcare costs. He's of the, absolutely right. The country. So, Joe from Texas, very bright man. So you know, there's a lot of things that have to be interwoven. You know, what people love, what people are used to, what Cha-ching. people are capable of doing. Cha-ching. I know, but you know, you you do that. No, and but the pro- the profit motive and the greed and the selfishness and everything else is identifying that as good. But if you ching everything, you're forgetting the fact that people have to make choices for themselves. Yes, but I think that people should be should be afforded the opportunity to make better choices for themselves. People go to the fast food places all the time because they can't afford to go any place better. And and it's 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 a problem. The fact that organic food is the most expensive sp- food. It's not. It is. It's not it's the most difficult. expensive. It's difficult. This is, we should talk more about this because we're running out of time. Uh, Scarlett Morial says organic and uh, na- all natural foods would be cheaper if demand was higher in general, uh, though uh, healthy is affordable. Um, well, I'm we're just out of time. To... Let's let's talk about it next week. Well, uh, talk about food again. Yeah. We'll see if I can get the gal from the, uh, the the FDA. I really wanted to interview her, and I really wanted to interview somebody from a – I guess I got to with uh, – with, uh, uh, what's his name on uh, – who's my friend from the, the Butcher? Tyler the Butcher. Tyler the Butcher. Yeah, it's just like the FDA. All right, everybody. Uh, Mac, Mackenzie Aston, thank you very much. Johnny Ice, thank you for your thing. I think the gym's a good idea, Johnny, but I think you're going to have to do something a little else.
Got to change that that meals. Go watch meals. that one. That, what, Hungry for change. Watch that one documentary for me. Tell me well, what you think of that. Uh, there I, I proselytized for something I don't even know. But um, thank you to uh, Michelle and Sarah and Sarah and Linda and Brett and uh, Tyler and Kevin Berry. Uh, thanks to everybody who called in. Thanks to my wife uh, and our kids. Um, thanks to the local farmers market. Uh, oh, thanks to the one caller at the very beginning from uh, Texas who talked about uh, guns again. Um, that's still a hot and bothersome issue. Yeah, especially uh, at the end of the barrel. The I've been scrolling through the Twitter feed. This has been by far the most uh, tweeted about episode and, and the most tweeted episode. So I really appreciate it. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see if I can put together another fun show and, and uh, we'll talk about a topic. And, and that's about it. My name is Sean Astor. You're listening to Vox Popular, a voice of the occasionally interest people here on the Toad Hop Network in Hollywood, California. Bye. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching.